Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. Our lesson this week is dealing with Christology still. We're on this subject and have been on this subject now for several weeks. And for several weeks in the future, we'll be dealing with this subject of Christology, the study of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on Lesson 21 this week, dealing with the relationship of the Son to the Father. And in subsequent broadcasts, we'll speak about the humanity of Christ, the sinlessness of Christ, the character of Christ, the teachings of Christ, and the commands of Christ. But, of course, the first thing to get down is the essential nature of this person. Now, these subjects have long been the uh, matters of controversy and a matter of dispute among professing Christians and Christians, and they've been brought up largely by infidels who profess Christianity or profess Christ without actually having been born again. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the thing the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So many of the arguments that have arisen over the, the teaching of the Word of God have not arisen from Christians arguing among themselves at all, but rather they've been inserted into the body of divinity by unsaved people who profess to believe certain things in the Bible while rejecting the authority of the Bible itself. The matter of the relationship of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Father, God the Father, is, a, is of this nature. Now, it would be impossible for those who have tuned in this broadcast at this late hour uh, to possibly... It would be impossible for them to understand all the material given, as this broadcast was preceded by an entire uh, hour of broadcast, two broadcasts on the Trinity, and it was also preceded by a solid hour, two broadcasts on the deity of Christ, and preceded by a solid hour of broadcast, uh, two half-hour broadcasts each on arguments against the deity of Christ. Now, I only say this because there are many people who suddenly tune in and never get the message as it were. There are certain people who are confirmed in their own heretical cults and sects who, when they hear a verse of Scripture or something taught, immediately grasp at some straw in the wind that was blown their way 1,800 centuries back and hope that its uniqueness will cause them to be something uh, novel and something outstanding in the realm of belief, when actually they are deceived and deluded by Satan, and the material they have is 18 centuries out of date and is not in the least bit true. Uh, these sects and cults uh, all have one thing in common. They all deny the absolute deity of Christ while professing belief in it, and all deny the three persons of the Godhead while professing to believe in God. Now, this is a controversial point with many cults who deny the deity of Christ, the relationship of the Son to the Father. And as we've said in recent broadcasts and shown in recent broadcasts and proved by presenting more than 150 verses of Scripture, there is one God manifest in three persons if you study biblical theology. That is, in studying biblical theology and biblical Christology, you always come out at the same place. Now, some of you may have your own particular system, and some of you may have this particular color man that you follow that sends you four or five verses laid out to prove what he wants. But in this broadcast, we're not interested in telling you what the Bible teaches. It teaches anything you want it to teach. We're interested in what the Bible says about itself. Anybody can make the Bible teach anything. All you have to do is add a few words here and take out a few words there and take a verse out of the context, and you can make it line up with any fool, Tommy Rot. Uh, this broadcast is for the purpose of telling you what the Scriptures say about these subjects, and the subject under discussion is Christology, the study of the nature, the person, and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lesson this week is dealing with the relationship of the Son to the Father according to the Word of God, and not according to somebody's teaching that has put five verses together that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. People say that Jesus, like us, is a Son of God, but not God. 
They maintain that he is a son who is subservient to the Father, and quote scriptures to prove it. Well, the devil quoted a scripture to Jesus Christ from out of temptation. So what? The peculiar idea we have in America today among Bible-believing people that because a man quotes the Bible is telling the truth is the most outrageous type of foolishness you ever heard of. After all, if a verse isn't quoted the way it's written or taken out of the context in which it appears, what does it mean? It means nothing with a great big zero. I mean, I could stand before this microphone and say there's a time to dance. That's Scripture. I could tell you there's a time to kill. That's Scripture. I could say, come to Bethel, the house of God, and transgress. That's Scripture. I could say, they that tempt God are delivered, and the wicked are happy. That's Scripture. I could say, the tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure. That's Scripture. I could say, you shall not surely die. That's Scripture. And there isn't one truth in what I just said in the last two minutes. I've just told you a bunch of damnable lies that are written in the Scripture. Now, do you get how the snow drifts yet? If you don't, will you get it after a while? When you hear a man come on and talk about, well, what is the kingdom? Many people today do not realize that what Jesus Christ preached was the kingdom, and that the God, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and you don't either if you listen to him very long. I mean, any man that doesn't know the difference between the word God and the word heaven has no business teaching first grade in the, in the grade school. If the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are same, heaven is eternal, and you have dialectical materialism with the eternity of matter taught by... Uh, Socrates and Plato. After all, God is a spirit. You think the heavens been there as long as God's been there? I know a lot of you want to save educated folks do, but you Bible-believing people? What are you doing saying the kingdom of heaven is the same as the kingdom of God when they're two different words? They're not the same words in English, heaven and God. They're not the same words in Greek, Uranus is your Greek word for it. Shemayim is your Hebrew word for it. They're not the same word in Greek. They're not the same word in Hebrew. The word for heavens in Greek is Uranos. The word for heavens in Hebrew is Shemayim. The word for God in uh, Hebrew is Elohim or Adonai. The word for God in the Greek is Theos. Now, why would you think that they were the same when they're spelled different in three different languages? See what I mean? No, some of you don't see what I mean. The fact of the matter is, you still think that if a man quotes Scripture, that proves something. You don't check the Scriptures. Now, in these broadcasts, we list the scriptures, ask you to write them down, and then if there's a problem, write us a letter. Box 7135, Pensacola, Florida. And if you've got some tract or material sent to your home by some lunatic who thinks because he can quote five verses of scripture he knows what he's talking about, then uh, check us out. We'll be glad to check you out. Now, number one, the Bible says, it doesn't teach, the Bible says Jesus Christ, as God, is equal to the Father. Notice 1 John chapter 2, 23, John 5, 18, Leviticus 24, 12, John 10, 30, John 14, 9, Colossians 1, 15, John 10, 33, John 17, 5, John 1, 1, 1 John 5.20, Titus 2.13, and we'll take up the rest later. Now, I'll go through these scriptures again very slow in our teaching broadcast today. If you didn't write them down, you'll have time to write them down or turn them to the scripture. I'll review them all again. 
And notice these broadcasts were not interested primarily in just giving a reference without regard to the context. Uh, there are people in this country who can teach baptismal regeneration by quoting five verses of Scripture. Acts 2.38, Acts 22.17, Mark 16.16, 16, Romans 6.3, and 1 Peter 3.21. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Acts 2.38 is a Jew talking to Jews at a Jewish feast, and the word Christian is not even found in your Bible until eight chapters later. 1 Peter chapter 3.21 says nothing about water saving you at all except as a figure of your salvation. And Acts chapter 22 refers to a convert who is being baptized by a Jewish proselyte who knows nothing about the grace of God in New Testament salvation. And Romans 6.3 has no reference to water baptism in that chapter or the six chapters preceding it or the six chapters following it. Have you got the drift yet? All right, John 5.18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Now these Jews were strong believers in Deuteronomy 6.4, and they didn't make any bones at all about what Christ professed, and they did not misunderstand his profession. They knew what he professed. And when he professed to be the Son of God, uniquely, saying that God was his Father, he claimed something that no Jew since kingdom come ever claimed. As we've told you in these broadcasts from week to week, Israel as a nation was said to be God's firstborn, and corporatively was said to be God's son, but never as individuals. There's not a case in the Old Testament from the first son of God, Adam, see Luke chapter 3, the last verse, to the time of Christ, when any man was born again, and you couldn't find the kingdom of God in the Old Testament with a flashlight. There's no kingdom of God after the fall of Adam till the second Adam shows up. And those Jews understood perfectly Christ's claim. Furthermore, he didn't deny their claim. He not only claimed to be the Son of God, he let people worship him like they worshiped Jehovah. They knew what he claimed. The Jews who believed Deuteronomy 6.4 understood Christ's meaning perfectly. The Jews recognized there was one God. And Deuteronomy 6... He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So they quite properly considered Christ's claim as blasphemous and worthy of death by stoning, which is the proper punishment under the law for a blasphemer. Leviticus 24, verse 12. You say the Jews were wrong. He didn't claim that. Of course he claimed that. You say, how do you know he claimed it? Don't you remember the last 35 verses we gave you on Christ accepting worship? If Christ accepted worship, he claimed to be God. He didn't claim to merely be just the Son of God. He claimed to be God. He let people bow down and worship him and encourage them to worship him. John 10.30, Christ says, I and my Father are one. That's certainly proof of his equality with God. John 14.9, he said to Philip, He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father. He and the Father are one and indivisible in the Godhead. Now, of course, this led many of the charismatic people to uh, produce a heresy called the Jesus-only heresy, which makes the Father's name Jesus, the Son named Jesus, and the Holy Ghost named Jesus, and this is more blasphemous nonsense run off the other side of the rail. If a da devil can't freeze you, he'll burn you up. He'll shove you right or shove you left. He won't let you walk in the center. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is the name of a man. Jehovah is the name of the Father, who is a spirit, 
and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who is called the Comforter, or the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Christ, but never Jesus. Now, we went through these matters in great detail in our two broadcasts on the Trinity. And if you didn't hear that broadcast, instead of wasting our time with asking a lot of foolish questions that have nothing to do with anything relevant anyway, may I suggest that you obtain the two tapes on the Trinity. These studies can be obtained, 25 minutes of solid, straight Bible teaching on the Trinity. They can be obtained by writing Box 7135, Pensacola, Florida. And in that lesson there, we covered thoroughly these matters, and so thoroughly that only people like Russell and Rutherford could possibly misunderstand the implications. Again, Colossians 1.15. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the visible reflection of the invisible God, invisible because he is spirit. But again, in Hebrews chapter 1, we're told that he is the image of God, and we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that he is the image of God. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. John 10:33, Christ said, For a good work we stole thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. That is, Jesus Christ all his life was trying to prove to them that he was God, but they stubbornly refused to believe. Now, they just went right on their own stupidity, like thousands of people do. Now, you understand we talk about being stupid. We're not saying you don't have a right to your religion. Thank God we live in America where we have religious freedom. We're not saying that we're trying to ram our religion down your throat. If you don't like it, turn the dial off. You can move your hand, can't you? See what I mean? I mean, people in America today are getting panicky about the truth. When they hear the truth, they say, well, people are meddling with our affairs. They're meddling with us. No. Our religion teaches that we should do our best to win people to Jesus Christ. You say, I don't believe meddling folks' religion. Okay, then you don't meddle with mine and leave it alone according to your convictions. According to our Bible convictions, it's our job to try to win the sinners to Christ. A man said to me one time, I just don't appreciate your asking me about those things. I don't think it's any of your business. Well, I beg to differ with you, it is my business. However, if you want to make it not my business and go to hell, that's your business. It's a free country. If you want to reject a witness, you can do it. If you want to talk like a fool and shoot yourself righteous mouth off, go and make a fool out of yourself. The throat that you slit may be your own. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, you have the freedom to do it. If you want to do it, help yourself. I never in my life cram my religion down anybody's throat. I told people the truth. I've asked them to accept the truth. I've pointed out the errors in their religious systems which deny the truth. But that's neither here nor there. You don't have to accept it. If you don't like it, go fishing. That's one of the beauties of America is a man has freedom to go to hell if he wants to go to hell. And that's where self-righteous people like to go. Do you know why self-righteous people don't like to discuss these things? Because if there's one book on this earth that ever downed the righteous of man and magnified the righteous of God, it's the Bible. If there's one book that ever put the lash at the back of a self-righteous Pharisee is the Word of God. So you won't find one sacramental, religious, formalist in the United States that isn't scared to death of being dealt with from the Word of God. They are scared to death of it. And they're the first ones to begin to holler and talk about equal time and equal rights, and nobody has a right to be... They're under conviction. We have one woman in America who spends her whole life trying to get radio broadcasts off stations and get the prayer and Bible reading out of the school. You know what her trouble is? She's under conviction. That Bible got her torn to pieces to where she can't even sleep unless she attacks it. 
She has a persecution complex. She thinks people that preach the truth are persecuting her. There are a lot of nuts like that running around these days, and the squirrels haven't got them all. Philippians 2.5 says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought of not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was honestly equal with the Father God and didn't hesitate to say so. In John 17.5, he prayed, Now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus referred there to his pre-incarnate glory, which he had before he ever became born on this earth as a man. John 1.1 said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The deluded fanatics and religious heretics who hate Jesus Christ have translated the Bible and written, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, which is exactly the blasphemous nonsense that Christ himself condemned all his life. The first of John chapter 1, verse 1, is a strong positive statement that Jesus Christ, before his incarnation, was identical with God in the Godhead. And that's why the Gospel of Luke was passed out in Operation 73 instead of the Gospel of John. And that's why the people who passed out tracts in the Gospel of John during the ecumenical movement back in 1965 in Rome were thrown in jail. And that's why the liberal professors, where many of you went to school and blew your money down a rat hole, taught that the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were to be heeded, and John was to be sort of put in a special bracket by itself where you wouldn't have to pay too much attention to it. Because John 1 states clearly, John 1, 1, that the incarnate Word was with the Father before the foundation of the world and was called God. 1 John 5, 20 says that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. Who? Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. John, both in his gospel, John 1, 1, and his epistles, 1 John 5, 20, states the fact repeatedly that Jesus is God. You say, I don't believe that. You don't have to. You say, I want equal time. All right, buy some time on the radio station. We pay for ours. In this strange this country, let's talk about equal time. We just had an election here recently. You know what happened? There were four candidates that didn't get any time. And they weren't allowed to debate and they weren't allowed to buy time to debate. Isn't that strange? Do you ever something about that equal practice fairness law? How four men running for president couldn't get on any TV network with any amount of money? That's odd, isn't it? The last election we had, there were four men running on four of the tickets, and three of those fellows were conservatives, genuine conservatives, not a one of them had a chance to speak his piece anywhere. And then you were told to choose. <laughs> Ain't that a flip? Now, let me tell you something. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, that's your business, and more power to you. Go shopping in the dime counters, store this world, and pick up the religion you like. But don't tell us the Bible doesn't say that when the Bible says that in both Testaments. And Isaiah said about the Son, his name shall be called the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God. You said, don't believe it. You don't have to believe it. It's a free country. You can call us Christian people idolaters. You're welcome. It won't upset us in the least. I never could get, uh, understand why anybody get upset anyway. If you want to call me an idolater, that's perfectly all right with me. I could care less. 
My idol is Jesus Christ. I worship an image. The image I worship is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15, the Lord Jesus Christ. If that makes me an idolater, then he was an idolater. I'm an idolater. I've committed sacrilege in worshiping him, and he has committed blasphemy in letting me worship him. And I'll bet my soul on that. You take your sides, I'll take mine. See what I mean? Those of us who know that Bible, believe what that Bible says, we'll take our chances. You willing to take yours? Titus joins John in his testimony in Titus 2.13 when he says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The one that we wait for is God the Savior, who came the first time to Bethlehem. And the writer of Hebrews adds this testimony when he said in Hebrews 1.8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Now what do you make of God the Father calling his Son God? You said my Bible doesn't say that. I can well imagine those versions printed since 1800 have all changed that verse in Hebrews chapter 1-8 because they are basically versions designed to overthrow the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a Bible that alters Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 so the verse doesn't say, Thy throne, O God, you have a Bible what we call a doctrinal prejudice or a racial, bigoted, segregationist bias against the truth. And isn't it strange how some of you folks have professed to be so broad-minded and so liberal, and so tolerant, can't stand the Bible that speaks the deity of Christ in Hebrews 1.8, and like to read the Bibles that overthrow it. You talk about prejudice. You better shut your mouth. Jude, in his great benediction, called the Savior God. In Jude 25, he said that the only wise God our Savior. Do you know who your Savior is? The Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians 2.9, we read, For in him, Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And to say the least, Christ is perfect and complete in deity, lacking not one thing. To say that he is only a Son of God, like the New Bible say in Matthew 27, is to insult and blaspheme the Savior and insult God Almighty. If you have a Bible that says Jesus Christ was a Son of God in Matthew chapter 27, you got you a devil's Bible, no matter what conservative translated it. At the transfiguration of Matthew 17, too, we got a glimpse of the glory of the pre-incarnate Christ when we read, His face did shine as the sun. Whoever refused to accept Jesus as God equal to the Father is guilty of the enormous sin of rejecting the Word of God, and if that sin means nothing to you, go to sleep. I'm not going to worry with it. I'm telling you, if you refuse to accept Jesus Christ as God, manifest in the flesh, as a member of the Trinity, you have rejected the revelation of God in the Bible, and all you can do is say that the Bible is not the revelation of God. That's going to be the quickest and easiest way out, and you're going to have no other choice in the matter. To question or deny the eternal pre-existence and glorious pre-incarnation of Christ does not lessen the fact that Jesus is and always has been God. The one who questions these facts is guilty of slander against the Savior, and if you want to take your chances, it's a free country, go on, take them. You ain't going to bother me any. I get sick and tired of these touchy, sensitive folks that think, oh, you have no right to say we've slandered because we don't believe as you do. Oh, you have no right to say we blaspheme and insult God just because you think you're right. 
Shut up, child. Go up and get out of the knee pants and knee breeches and get into some long pants. The truth of the matter is, you're free to accept what you want to accept and reject what you want to reject. And if you want to insult God and slander the Lord Jesus Christ, that's your business. Help yourself. And if you don't believe the Word of God, help yourself. But don't blame it on me. And don't go around saying, he just thinks he's right and everybody else thinks he's wrong. When the Scriptures have clearly told you, Jesus is God, and you're going to reject it because you think you're smarter than the Word of God. I'll run to the references one more time for the third time. Please write them down. John 5, 18. 1 John 2, 23. Leviticus 24, 12. John 10, 30. John 14, 9. Colossians 1, 15. John 10, 33. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 6. John 17, 5. John 1, 1. 1 John 5, 20. Hebrews 1, 8. Jude 25. Colossians 2, 9. Matthew 17, 2. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Now, these verses do not teach that Jesus is God. They say that he's God. These verses don't imply or suggest anything, and I did not write these verses. You're wasting your time getting upset with me when I tell you that if a man who rejects the deity of Christ is slandering Christ and insulting God Almighty, you're wasting your time getting mad at me. You might as well go and take it out on a mirror. This is what the Bible says about the deity of Jesus Christ and his relationship to the Father. This is Christology. And in theological discipline, whether it be systematic theology or biblical theology or dogmatic theology or practical theology or exegetical theology, the Christology of the Word of God teaches that Jesus Christ's relationship to the Father is as a son, but as a pre-incarnate son who lives forever and has always lived forever and always will live forever. This is what the Bible says about the relationship of the Son to the Father. Now, having covered the pastors on today's broadcast that deal with Christ's deity as equal with the Father, on our next broadcast we'll deal with Jesus Christ as a man subordinated to the Father, that is, under the Father. You said the two positions contradict. They do only in the mind of the unbeliever who insists on picking a fight with God. They don't contradict. They complement each other. And Christ as a man, I say, quote, as a man, unquote, was subordinate to God the Father, but as a member of the Godhead, co-equal. And so on our next broadcast, next week at the same time, we'll take up the numerous verses in the New Testament and the Old Testament that deal with Jesus Christ's humanity as a man in subordination and obedience to his Father. Until then, next week at the same time on the same broadcast, may the Lord bless you and good day.